HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Anna Curran of Cookbook Create. Uh, we all, you know, have a pension, a passion for food and recording that food, especially here at Heritage, where we're trying to archive it on radio. But so many of us want to have a cookbook, you know, have some kind of archive or legacy to hand on to others. And you did it. You created something so people can actually do that. We did. So cookbookcreate.com is a site where you can take your own recipes and turn them into a print-on-demand cookbook. So similar to Snapfish or Shutterfly, how it lets you take your family photos and turn it into a printed album, we help you turn your own recipes and your own family photos into a custom cookbook. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about your past because you have... Such an interesting, mixed, varied, from fine arts to printmaking, dancing, a lot of technology, strategy, even political campaigns. And to, you know, define yourself or end at this, I think we have to know a little bit about before. Grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut. And then I, I wrote you an email asking a little more about your, you know, food life, because the bio was more so about, you know, uh, more of the food and technology part. Uh and you told me you were in Holland from the years two to four. That's true. T- tell me a little bit about how formative that was or, or what you remember of that experience. Sure. So my family lived over in Holland from when I was about two years old to four years old. Uh, my father worked for Philips. And while I was over there, both my mom and dad worked. And I had this wonderful woman named Els who was engaged to an Indonesian fellow named Peter um, who cared for me. And so I have all of these memories of Oma Simon, who was 
Peter's mother cooking dinners for us with these exotic, spicy flavors that I hadn't really arrived at anywhere else in my four years of in wor- wor- worldly yeah. life um, <laughs> prior to that. So um, I, I remember, um, you know, those those things, and, and I also remember. Um, there are a couple different breakfasts that they would serve in Holland, and I don't think this was just for kids. I think adults actually ate this too. One one is both involve toast and butter, so you make your toast, you put your butter on it, and then one is topping it with chocolate sprinkles. And there's a specific name for it that I, I can't remember, but that that's actually your breakfast is toast with chocolate sprinkles. Um, that's one, and another one was they had these um, sort of like coconut cold cuts. And it was half half white, the regular coconut color, and then half this hot pink. And it was somehow, I don't know, sliced or, you know, whatever it was. And so it was this, the same uh, sort of shape and size as a slice of ham or a slice of turkey. And you would take your piece of toast with your butter and you would put your coconut cold cut on top. And, and that was your breakfast. So um, I think... A lot of my memories of Holland involved sugar. Yeah, a lot of sweets. Because <laughs> you also tell me what salty licorice and well, so and that's the funny thing. So, so candy over in Holland is actually very salty and very bitter. And they had this the same way we have ice cream trucks here. They had a candy truck, and the candy truck would come around, and you could get your salty licorice in a fish shape, and a bow tie shape, and this other shape, and you know, and it all was just variations of salty licorice and mostly um, that dark black uh, licorice and really not a flavor that most kids (laughs) like. I mean, it must have been fun. Well, you were like two to four, so you didn't get to see the reaction of others, but seeing your face when you got duped into that first bite of salty licorice. (laughs) It was not my definition of candy, I'll tell you that much. But the ice cream, the strawberry ice cream. The ice cream. So they they also had um, the these ice cream containers that you could get at, you know, the, I guess, I don't know if it would be a convenience store. Um, it, it definitely wasn't at the grocery store, but these tiny individual, um, basically strawberry shaped, uh, containers that looked like a huge, a huge strawberry about the size of your fist. And they were filled with strawberry ice cream and the cap had the, you know, the green sort of leaves and that opened up and revealed this, you know, amazing strawberry ice cream. Let's go back to the States. Your mother's cooking casserole. What is that? Ground beef, onions, peas, and cherry clafu tea. Where did those dishes come from? And how did they become such memories of yours? So that's a great question. Where did those come from? So my my mom did sort of two two styles of cooking. One was oh crap, it's Tuesday night. I just got home from work. I'm tired. What can I make? And, um, and then also, you know, what, what will my picky daughter not complain about? So, um, one of the things that fell into that category was this, uh, you know, it's just macaroni casserole, but I, I thought it tasted great. Um, still do. And it reminds me nostalgically of, of childhood and, and really all it is, is, um, spiral, uh, pasta or you know elbow shape and you cook up that pasta you brown your ground beef and then you also saute up onions and put in some frozen peas and and that's it 
and it's very comforting, very good, and super tasty and and fast, and you can make it on a weeknight. So, so that's the one category of my my mom's cooking、um, that I got to experience growing up. And then the the other category, I think. Um, was more more in the entertaining category,、um, and、um, you know, in in our family, my aunt always hosted Thanksgiving, and my mom always hosted Christmas,、um, and 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 entertaining. You know, there there was this set of recipes and and tradition that went along with what the meal was. So.、Uh, Let's say Thanksgiving is always the traditional turkey, and then for Christmas, you know, sometimes it was a goose, sometimes it was lamb,、um, and and、uh, cherry clafoutis doesn't actually fit into any of that. But it was、um, my mom studied abroad and did spend some time in France and picked up this recipe for cherry clafoutis, which really is just custard with cherries, but. As as a child, the dish seemed so exotic to me because you actually cook it with the stones still in the cherries, and our American food and American palate, you know, our our pies we take the pits out, and and you don't really have that experience of you know taking a scoopful of a dessert and and having to spit out a pit, and so I don't know for some reason that made this dish stick out in my mind. It'd be interesting, you know, mo- most Americans if they. We're eating pie and found a pit. They'd be, you know, pissed. They'd be like, "What the hell?" And you, you probably have like this weird little flashback about、yeah. cherry clafouti.、Um, but I like that you distinctly have these two different categories in your mind. But at the same time, they're both familiar, you know, of, of family. And you know, segueing into cookbook create. Those are the things that you want to pass on, and it, it's hard to say, "Oh, well, I have this recipe here and this recipe here, and from this cookbook and from this experience." You know, how do you put that all in a space? It used to be little recipe boxes. It used to be cards that people handed out. Do you remember how your family treated those recipes? So the inspiration for Cookbook Create actually came from this gift that my aunt had given to my mom back in 1969, and it it was a notebook. Um, that she had handwritten about a dozen recipes in the front of the book, and my mom added all of these recipes to the book over the years. And I was looking for this recipe that my grandmother used to cook for my dad when he was younger. These chocolate drop cookies, and I couldn't find it anywhere. My dad says to me after you know months of trying to shake down relatives to get the real recipe, I had this version that wasn't you know every time I would make it, he said, "No, that's not really it." So I was looking desperately for a, a version of this recipe. He says you should look in your mom's cookbook.、And、I pulled it off the shelf, and I opened it up and started looking. And 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 this book has you know the handwritten recipes in the front and many、um, recipes written on scraps of paper and cut off boxes, food boxes, you know, sort of jammed in the in the back of it. And as I was paging through. This book, I saw my great grandmother's iced tea recipe was in there. All of these recipes from my aunt, and and there was this recipe for chocolate drop cookies. And what touched me when I was looking at this book was that in many ways these recipes were actually representative of my family, and were telling a story about my family, about、uh, how we connected, about what we ate when we celebrate. Celebrated and and what we ate on weeknights, and and I started thinking about how powerful 
the cookbook actually is, um, and not just this cookbook, but the cookbook as a format and family recipes actually are. So in, in my case, this cookbook sat on the same shelf in our kitchen for as long as I can remember. And I can't name one other gift that has been given in 1969, even if I tried or even, you know, the seventies or eighties. Um, so there really was something truly special and unique about this gift. And as I was looking through this book, the question that popped into my mind was, how could I build a digital platform with all of the advances in technology that we've had in terms of uh, social media and social networking, in terms of print-on-demand technology? How could I create a place where anyone could make a book like that, but in a much easier and, and better way? Um, and and so that's what I set out to do, and that's where the inspiration for Cookbook Create came. I mean, so your your work prior to creating Cookbook Create as a digital strategist, a campaign manager, and that is all about you know uh, strategy or, or taking these ideas of, of connectivity and putting them in a place where it can proliferate even more. What kind of work did you do leading up to Cookbook Create that maybe informed? how to build that system. So I, I've done a lot of different things in my life. And if you ask um, most entrepreneurs, when you ask them that question, what are the things you've done in your life? They're going to give you extremely varied responses that, that, you know, they've, there's no linear path in the land of entrepreneurship. So, um, you know, I, I, I like to think of it as, um, you know, what, what are the skills that, that you have and that you've applied over the years and what are the environments that you've applied them in? And, um, you know, for me, it's been both very left brain and right brained. It's been the artistic and the design side of it. And then it's also been the, you know, more analytical strategy, um, side when you're looking at the politics. So, um, you, you need both of those skill sets and disciplines when you're working in digital and when you're working in entrepreneurship. Um, you know, you can have the most technically perfect product, but if the design isn't communicated in a way that anyone can understand, it's not, it's not going to matter. Um, so, um, you know, I think I've been very fortunate to be able to um, really explore lots of different territories. So in, in college, I did a lot of printmaking and human figure drawing. Um, I, I did a lot of intaglio printmaking, which is actually developing um, images on copper plates. So you'll use um, a protectant that you paint across the sheet of copper and scratch out wherever you want the ink to remain and then let the copper plate sit in an acid bath. Um, you know, and, and this is all sort of dangerous and, and, and art school is all about the caustic, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I also got to do, um, letterpress setting. So I've actually set letters on, you know, lead, lead type. Our, our school had actually the printing press that Barnum and Bailey circus used to print all of their promotional posters. So I, I um, do get to state that I got to print on Barnum & Bailey's awesome. printing press. Yeah. So it, it's, it seems like you also inherently have to know all these processes in, in a way to inform the final product. So you're talking about 
you know, having a family that shared recipes, how those recipes were formatted, how those recipes were shared, and what they should look like afterwards. So to, to, to build out a system like Cookbook Create isn't easy. I mean, there, there's lots of different steps that have to go through. Yeah, so I, I think you're asking about two two sort of different things. So recipes actually are really interesting when you start thinking about them and thinking about the format. So um, here in New York at NYU in the Fails Collection, they have over 56,000 cookbooks. And I was lucky enough to get a tour from um, one of the, the women that uh, curates all of the books that they have in their collection. And I was asking her, can you tell me about recipes and how they've changed over time? And they've changed significantly. So um, prior to, I, I don't know when the historical marker would be, but it used to be that cooking really was passed down. It was something that you learned by doing. And so you learned from firsthand observation to um, to um, making it on your own. And, and now that's not the case. So in in that time frame, recipes would say, you know, um, add the chicken, the asparagus, and whatever, and it would say prepare the asparagus. Now, it wouldn't tell you which way to prepare the asparagus because there was one known way in that, in that family. And, um, and so the, uh, you know, and, and there's, we, we still see remnants of this type of cooking where, you know, you'll hear people um, lovingly complain about their grandmother's recipes and say, well, she just says a dash of this and a pinch of that and never gives me an exact measurement. And, um, and, and that's because you need to learn by doing, you need to learn the techniques, um, the basics in order to be able to make those, those types of recipes. Um, and, and now we've moved to an era where I, I learned a lot of my cooking from watching, um, TV shows. And, um, and so in, in this day and age, people really are learning from reading and from from TV, and it's a very different it's a very different way to learn to learn cooking. So you're learning through observation, but not actually doing, and then not actually seeing or tasting the result. So um, there's a lot of interpretation that comes through um, as you're experiencing the recipes. So the history of recipes and, and how they were written at a certain period in time and how they're written now, they're very different. And then even if you look at recipes from different authors, so when we were looking at building our platform, I, I analyzed, I don't know, maybe at least 500 different cookbooks to see what's the format of a cookbook. And I have to tell you, there isn't one. <laughs> So, you know, and, and this is looking at some of the greatest cookbooks of all time, some of the newest, some of the older ones, and there is no standard. There are standards in practice, but not, you know, not one. And so what, what we did was we basically looked at all of the different options and came up with the ones that we thought were, were the best and, and, um, and, and, and also, the most flexible. So the thing about recipes is recipes are like family. All of they're all different. <laughs> they're all different. So um, we wanted, we really wanted to be able to build a platform where people's own voice, own story, own recipe can shine through. Um, but then also give a little bit of guidance in terms of, you know, if you're passing this recipe on to someone and they've never actually watched you make it before, 
what are the things they're going to need to know in order to be able to do that? It's been funny. I'm working on a few cookbook projects right now, and an editor will hand you over a style sheet, which is pretty much that protocol. And the first thing you want to do is break that. The first thing you want to do is create that personal you know, point of view and, and kind of modulate it to your you know, ownness. Yep. And the last thing they want to happen is that. But you've created such a great symbiosis of those two things so people can be expressive but also, you know, uh, be analytical, as, as you've said before. And we're going to come right back talk a little more about Cookbook Create, uh, Southwest Interactive Cookbook, and so much more. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. And welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, today with Hannah Curran of Cookbook Create. And I was just asking you during the break about, you know, uh, of those 500 cookbooks, what kind of statistical data were you trying to take away? And you said, I looked at a lot of the table of contents, you know, because often we see appetizer, entree, dessert, almost like a price fee meal. But you were telling me about this golf book. Yeah, so... Uh, one of the things that's super fun for me is getting to see what our customers actually are making on Cookbook Create. And um, recently we've had a couple really inventive um, cookbooks, one where a customer was doing a golf-themed cookbook, and each chapter was the different holes. So it started with the first the first hole and ended with the 18th hole. And and I don't I don't know if their vision was a, a tasting menu, um, you know, or what it was. But each of the different holes had different chapters in it, um, you know. And then we've seen we've seen all sorts of um, organizations. Like there there was another um, uh, customer that did actually an Indonesian cookbook, and they divided it into um, the Eastern Indonesian recipes and then Western Indonesian recipes. And, um, you know, so when we were looking at table of contents, we really were trying to decide, should we come up with a structure that we should, um, you know, uh, ask our users to use, like starting with appetizers, main course, side dishes and desserts. And um, and the 
after looking at lots of table of contents, the answer was no, because recipes were much more complicated than um, just being able to um, put them into those buckets. And, and also, a lot of the best cookbooks weren't structured in that way. And, and so, um, you know, who am I to put put forth, you know, how, how you should be organizing your recipes. So we, we like to let people organize their recipes the way they want to. I'm holding in my hands a South by Southwest interactive cookbook, which is a great example of that because there are three headers, three, three sections, amplifiers, builders, and storytellers. And within that, I mean, you have some of the best technological minds, uh, you know, of, of social platforms of our day and age. And you collected really interesting recipes from those people they were with. Um, one of my favorites actually isn't a recipe, but Craig Newmark from Craigslist. Yes, he'll help you order takeout. Yeah, yeah, that, that, it's hilarious. <laughs> it, but so right on for, you know, that, that sect of, uh, um, you know, work. Um, another one was what? Mama Crowley's Mac and Cheese. Yeah, um, Mama Crowley makes a really good mac and cheese. We um, We made it to photograph it for the cookbook and... That was one of one of the favorite dishes that we that we made. So, um, if any of you are lucky enough to get invited over to the Crowley household for yeah. macaroni and cheese, definitely go. It's amazing. Well, then Dennis Crowley is the CEO of Foursquare. Of Foursquare, yes. You know, and that's something where you often see people checking in at restaurants, and yet the recipe that he wants to give is of his own family. So you see all these, you know, you see lineage, you see, you know, uh, um, family lines, family trees. Those are the most important recipes that people want to share rather than, oh, well, I'm not discrediting other cookbooks, but there's usually not a form, an opportunity to share those things unless you're a published author. Yeah, so one of the, one of the things that Cookbook Create is designed to do is really help um, with the community cookbook format. And so um, we, we produced the official cookbook for South by Southwest Interactive Festival this past year. And we requested um, for many of the past speakers to submit their favorite recipe and really put no restrictions around what type of recipe it could be. And, um, you know, talk about having to get creative with how you're going to organize those recipes. We have everything from classic French cuisine to the macaroni and cheese to five ways garlic and olive oil can dramatically yeah, change your life. From um, Jonah Peretti, who's the founder of BuzzFeed, um, you know we have shots in there, glow-in-the-dark cocktails. Tell me more about um, these glow from the MIT lab. Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, vitamin B12 glows in the dark, and if you put some of that in your cocktails, you can have a glow-in-the-dark po- cocktail party. Yeah, I mean, was this food apparent at South by Southwest, or was everyone just lining up for Franklin barbecue? So, uh, what do you mean? Like, were people making glow-in-the-dark shots during the festival? So, um, uh, yes, there actually was a glow-in-the-dark uh, cocktail party that MIT hosted, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, this collection is not just people sharing their favorite things, but it's such a time and place. It is. So, so we just, what we really wanted to do was um, show show the South by Southwest community and celebrate um, celebrate really the individuality as well as the diversity. And, um, and so we asked the contributors to share a recipe and their story behind the recipe. So there's everything from salsa that has, um, 
Star Wars inspired names to, you know, you name it. So um, one of my favorites actually is um, Randy Zuckerberg. Um, she she contributed a recipe for bald eagle cookies, which um, you basically take a jet puffed marshmallow, dip it in white melted white chocolate and coat it with coconut and give it a cashew nose as its beak <laughs> and then little um, black icing eyes and you stick it on an Oreo so it has its black mantle and and these things are fantastic and super fun for kids. Kids love them. I the adults love them too, yeah, actually. I, I can see that also being, well, it, it sounds a little terrible because it is our national bird, but making that into a s'more, seeing that thing melt you, down. You, you could make it into a s'more. I was thinking that Stephen Colbert would want to serve them at his 4th of July party because he's such an eagle fan, Absolutely. but I, you know, I don't know. Available on Cookbook Create, right? Yes, you can purchase the South by Southwest cookbook on cookbookcreate.com. What you can also do on cookbookcreate.com is check out the recipe exchange. You know, even if you don't necessarily have that idea for a cookbook yet, but you're looking to be inspired, you have this bank of wonderful recipes from a very diverse crowd of people. Tell me a little bit about having that be kind of a public forum. Sure. So on on Cookbook Create, uh, one of the first questions that, that we get from our users is, if I want to keep my recipes private, can I? Because uh, a lot of people do have family recipes that they don't want to share with everyone. And so we give everyone the option to keep recipes, um, you know, just to themselves or to share them with the community. And um, we see that most of our users do want to share their recipes with the rest of, of our members on the site. And we have lots of, of different perspectives in terms of culinary um, cuisine, um, you name it. Uh, it's everything from, um, you know, quick dishes that you make in a can to, you know, every sort of dip under the sun. I've recently discovered that there are all these dips that I didn't know about. I didn't know that you could make chicken buffalo dip. I didn't know that you could um, make... Uh, well, that one's gross. I'm not going to say that one. <laughs> well, at the same time, um, I, I, I would buy a book called <clears throat> Dips Under the Sun. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make a book for Excellent you. We'll book. make you a, a dip cookbook. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing that, that we're seeing a lot of, actually, is there are a lot, of, um, a lot of ethnic groups. They don't have great resources for recipes. Um, you know, there, there aren't cookbooks that have, um, you know, extensive... Um, repertoires of what they're used to having in in their own countries in terms of recipes, and there aren't great websites for them. So we're seeing a lot of families, um, you know, we've seen a lot of Indian families put together cookbooks. Um, I mentioned Indonesian earlier. Um, you know, we've had a bunch of Jewish heritage cookbooks with, um, you know, I just learned this, um, I I learned about um, a dish called cholent. So when you're you're not allowed oh, to cook, I know cook. cholent. Yeah, and 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 I just heard actually the story that the crock pot was invented. So you know, for the day when you're not allowed to cook, so you could put your ingredients in the day before, and then it would be ready for you. And and that was actually the original purpose of of the crock pot. So we might do a spinoff news piece about that because that's kind of amazing there to think go. about. Um, because in, in in college, I actually was doing a photo documentary about a, Ch a Chabad house uh, down the street. And 
they'd every once in a while be like, would you mind turning on the oven and heating this up for me? I'm like, you're not allowed to. Just because I'm reformed doesn't mean you're allowed to ask me to do that stuff. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I is get that, it. Is that cheating or not? No, no, We're not then, sure. <laughs> then I'm like, but maybe I'll become an entrepreneur and start the Jew crew where I go into like right. Hasidic and, you know. Pay me $5 and yeah, I'll exactly. turn on your oven. Yeah, but the crock pot defeated me. Yeah. Many, many there, a times. There you go. That, that's fascinating. That, yeah. that That, you know, there are so many families going on there too and sharing it with greater communities um i know i saw recipes of the week like a black and fish taco mm-hmm. and mexican hot chocolate and you know it's it's again such a diverse and such an interesting you could just poke around there forever do you ever get to meet these people do you ever get to eat their food do you cook their recipes i know that was a lot of questions and yeah so um that's actually a fantastic question so i'm getting ready to go on a tour around the country and i'm going to be hosting parties in different cities and meeting my customers and um and meeting the the local community of home chefs we're going to be doing potluck parties and um and so i i haven't met a lot of um my customers yet so um, I, I'm looking forward to meeting awesome. them. Well, how can people kind of watch this national tour of yours? So the best way would be to follow us on Twitter. We're at Cookbook Create on Twitter. Um, and then I'm just at Anna Curran on Twitter. Excellent. Well, yeah. you never know. You could be in Des Moines and a whole bunch of people flocking. What are some of the smaller, interesting cities that you're really excited about? Um, so I haven't done very much planning, um, although I need to start because the trip is coming up soon. <laughs> We're gonna, um, I'm leaving in mid-July. So the, the only two places on the list so far are Orlando and um, San Jose. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm going to do a West Coast tour first. Awesome. So that's where we'll start. Excellent. Well, we'll be watching on Twitter and looking forward to you know what recipes you unearth and bring back to the Cookbook Create community. If you haven't already, go check out cookbookcreate.com. It's just such a wonderful site, aside from making a cookbook for yourself, your family, to see what other people and other families are doing and disseminating. Anna, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.